just need a minute. Just, just Dylan. Dylan wants to ask you one question. All right, it's gonna cost you. Go ahead, though. <laughs> so, we were talking about dreams and all of that. So, when we were growing up, what was the advice that you gave us about you know the encouragement that you instilled in us to continue on um, our path with our dreams, or even like in ministry? Like, say one thing that you really, really instilled in us. Well, our um, my, my wife, your mom, and I wanted to, you know, you, you're parents. You want the best for your children. So whatever career they, they choose, as long as it's, uh, you know, in a godly standpoint also, you know, we, we encourage you guys. So we just, we were speaking, you know, here's the whole deal about it, that God already knew what you were going to become, who you are from the foundations of the world. So he knew your end from your beginning. So all we had to do is guide you in those areas in your life. If, if whatever your career was, we stood up and supported you guys. And we always want to let you know, don't give up, you know, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your visions because we know what God had in store for you guys. So we always encourage you guys to do what's right. Uh, just uh, stay with it and, and don't be a, uh, you know, don't be, if you fail, get back up. You know, if we know that, uh, in in this life, there's things that come into your life, and sometimes it comes doors that are being being closed on you, and stumbling blocks, and people getting in, and bad influence, and people stopping you, jealous people try to stop your vision, mm-hmm. and you get all of this stuff that happens. But you got to just keep on running this race. You got to keep on running for your goal. The Bible says to write the vision and make it plain. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's why a lot of people are successful in their lives today because they write their vision and on paper, and then they they pursue it and mm-hmm. they go for it. And, they don't let nobody get in their way. You know what I'm saying? And what yeah. God has for you is for you. So you just keep on pressing, keep on pushing, no matter what the naysayers say, no matter what these people say on the on the left side or the right side, you just got to keep on pressing and keep on pushing. And that's why a lot of people are successful in life. But it, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you, you know, cheers. It's going to cost you, you know, tiredness. You're going to be worried and well-doing. But God said, in due season, you will reap if you faint down. Come on, you got me preaching. <laughs> There's a revival in Harbor Freight. Now, now they know where I get it from. <laughs> and, so, and so if you stay focused and, you know, don't let nobody tell you anything different because the bible says this it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue if people can people can put something in your mind way back since you were a little kid you know and and they could put a negative thought in your mind and you can always grow up and say you know what this person said this to me that i'm never gonna amount to nothing look at all the famous people today you think it was easy for them a lot of them got rejected a lot of them got rejected from their careers mm-hmm. michael jordan got rejected he could never you know comment with all these people got rejected somehow they became uh failures at one point or another but they they didn't let that stop them they got mm. back on their feet the says, the righteous man falls but he gets back up come on and so <laughs> <you> just, <laughs> i'm sorry you guys are provoking me now so <laughs> my my advice and my prayers are for you know not only my my children but people we got to celebrate people our uh you julian yeah. we celebrate you in your, in your endeavors we celebrate you in your career we mm-hmm. celebrate you we, we, you know, that's what we do. We push you guys, pushing you guys to the next level. Go, yeah. you can make it, you know? And that's what we do. You know, as parents, we got to push you guys to become what God has called you to do and whatever your career is, whatever your goal is in life, that that you will accomplish those things, but it takes work. It's mm-hmm. not going to be... You know, some people got a uh, you know, silver spoon handed to them, so, you know, but a lot of us have not, so we got to work for what we got. Yeah. Amen, man. Amen. That's good. And you don't work, listen. You don't work, you don't eat. I don't know what kind of struggle you're going through. I don't know what 
the situation may be, but you serve a mighty God. a little longer Fuck after falling. <laughs> what's up everybody welcome back to walk after falling podcast this is julian i'm here with Catherine, and today is a special episode and i, I think i always say that but today is is extra special because we had not only have a family member of mine but we have him here live in person in the walk after falling studio AKA my second bedroom, but I'll let him introduce himself and we're so happy to get into this conversation here. So take it away. Hey, hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I am Dylan Cruz, AKA Julian's cousin, and I cannot wait to get started on this. I know this is like I was saying earlier, this is a little weird because like you being the first person live, I'm still making sure you're not touching things, but also, <laughs> <laughs> but also because we were saying we could always mute and be like, okay, you asked this question, you asked that and then we have a thing so now it's like you can see us in person like you saying, can see our yeah, process next <laughs> exactly um but tell us a little bit about yourself and then uh how this time has been because you've you've been through the ringer during this time um so tell us a little bit about what happened sure so uh for those who don't know i'm an actor in chicago um, that's something that I've been pursuing for the past 12 plus years and I love every single minute of it, but I'm also a pastor's kid. So I was raised in the church. Um, so that's something that's very important to me as well. Um, and I can go on and on about yeah. that because life in church is absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, you still do it pretty much full time, always doing things. Here yeah. Still very involved. Yeah. Um, during this time, actually, honestly, it has been the most, um, challenging process to get adapted to i think that's the word i want to use is getting adapted to everything that's been going on Mm -hmm. it's it's very scary Mm -hmm. um nerve-wracking you know can cause a lot of anxiety and i think that's something that i dealt with personally is uh, my quiet time just feeling like the uncertainty really weighing Mm -hmm. on me because you don't know what's going to happen you don't know where this virus is taking us and um out of a lot of people in the world i happen to contract covid oh Mm -hmm. my goodness and uh it took me out for a total of four weeks jeez because i was working in the pandemic so when i got it it was something that i was not expecting it caught me completely off guard yeah and i think in those still small moments it was kind of a reminder to just settle down and mm. stop being so busy all yeah, the time yeah and i think it was a reminder of having that resting time that we always forget about exactly yeah. you know yeah exactly yeah so what was that like though like because i remember i had the flu right when everything like literally the day that i found out i had the flu the day after everything started shutting down so i don't know what could have been if i would have tested later or whatever i don't know what it could have been I think that I may have had something too mm-hmm. because I had flu A, but but just thinking about all because at that time it wasn't like mass like crazy hysteria yeah. like how it was a few weeks after that, but like I remember people texting me like saying, "Did you are you getting tested for COVID?" Like my office people from church all that asking me and it made me feel like a little anxiety. So I can only imagine, like, what did it make you feel when you were going through that? When you found out, like, I have to go get tested, I might have this, mm-hmm. and then when you finally found out, you actually did. 
Well, it was scary to know that that became my new normal. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. I was the type of person that listened to the the media saying, "Oh, you're in your you're in your twenties. You're fine. You're not going to catch it." And I was yeah. like, "Okay, cool. I'm healthy. I'm you yeah. know drinking a ton of emergency every single day. I have my vitamins. <laughs> yeah, I swear it. by he's, that. He has right. his emergency right here. <laughs> I have it right here right now. Actually, <laughs> I told him to come with a mask and gloves too. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm not contagious, guys. My antibodies are there. <laughs> no, but I think it was. It was definitely a huge switch for me. I think going from working all the time, being a workaholic, having a set schedule to not having a schedule other than Mm. laying in bed all day long Mm -hmm. was a huge learning curve for me that I wasn't used to. So when I heard the news, naturally, I was like, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? I'm so scared because you hear all these horror stories online or on the news about people who are passing from COVID or they were in the hospital on you know, on their deathbeds, essentially in worse shape. So it was just really knowing that information and not knowing what that was going to entail for me, what road I was going to go down, Mm -hmm. um, made me nervous every single day. I think going to bed, I had one thing in mind, like, okay, God, please, like, I just need to go through and see the next day. Right. Cause you start questioning like, okay, is this, is this thing going to take me out? Is Mm -hmm. this going to be the main factor of if I live or not? And I think as a Christian and as a believer, you kind of have to put yourself in this position to say, okay, am I going to choose to really trust God, Exactly. really have faith and not Mm -hmm. doubt his plan and purpose for my life? Or am I going to allow this virus meant to put fear inside of me, right? Just a distraction of the enemy to take me down that road of being discouraged, being in fear, being nervous, Mm -hmm. having anxiety Mm -hmm. triggered, right? Um, And I think I chose the other way of saying, God, I'm just going to trust you in this moment. I'm going to put my life in your hands because you have all that power, right? You have a plan and a purpose. And I know he's not through with me yet. Mm -hmm. So having that in my mind at the forefront every day was a main factor of me waking up and saying, okay, I'm going to beat this thing. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And does that get scary though? Like I, I, having that mindset, but also just, you know, I, we don't listen to like any news. Like I won't like look up. I think the first couple weeks I was like looking at Twitter, all this stuff all the time, but I don't have cable anymore. I just like stream stuff. <laughs> so it's easier for not to like look into those things. Obviously you see stuff on people's stories on Instagram, but like, were you kind of like just actually having it and knowing the, uh, the physical effects and the, and the, just the torture that it can be like, what, what is that like? Like, especially mentally too, like, am I going to like wake up tomorrow feeling worse? Like, Oh my God, is this it? Is this it for me? Like, no, but you are trusting God, but just like that human nature of like, this is a, a, a terrible, deadly virus. Right. And you don't know, like whoever gets, it doesn't know like how their body's going to react to it. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly what it is. It we're human still. Yeah. We're human yeah. still. We have those human emotions. And, um, I think of course it's anything that you go through that, that's life threatening, mm-hmm. um, plays a factor in your mental sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was always mentally exhausted. I had like wow. anxiety through the roof yeah. every single night of just not catching a break. I mean, you have three, four fevers a day. It takes Jeez. a toll on your body physically. Yeah. It's mentally exhausting. Wow. And at a certain point you start questioning, whoa, like when is this going to end? Like, yeah. is this yeah. going to be like this for the next three weeks, four weeks? Um, and you start to really question those things and it does something to your mind. It really yeah. does. And so I think my main thing was in the midst of that, there was a lot of doubt. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of um, nervousness in, in saying to myself, okay, is, is this going to get worse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I even going to get better? 
right? Wow. And you still read the media. That's why I had to turn off the TV. Yeah. I had to turn off my phone. I was like, I don't want to look at anything else because mm-hmm. it discourages for sure. You know, you in that moment, especially with someone who has COVID. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to put more fear in myself than what yeah, I already yeah. had, right? Exactly. So I just try to stay calm through the entire process. But your mind races. Yeah, it goes so fast, and it's like this most mentally exhausting thing where you just physically and emotionally mm-hmm. tired. Wow. Yeah. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that, then like going out into the real world, the going out into the real world, yeah, you start questioning, dude. like, do I want to <laughs> go out again? Do I even want to yeah, get exposed to I this know. again? Because yeah. you know, you never know. Yeah. Anywhere you go too. Cause I, I'll come back and I feel like sometimes I'll say, Oh man, my throat like itches or I, I don't know. You just feel weird because, and I think it's because you've been locked up so long too. You know, like, and going somewhere, like, everything kind of feels new and different versus, like, if we were still going about our daily lives, you don't notice those things. And I feel like it's still, like, an adjustment. But, yeah, that's the thing that gets me. And I I don't know. Like, I found myself to be very, like... Would you say OCD or nitpicky or like I'm very like I got to wipe down the counter. He's very I gotta, particular. <laughs> yeah, I'm very particular, of course. But like I still got to like make sure stuff is clean and like you know. And well, I, don't I think know. like of course you're gonna have fear in a pandemic, and of course yeah. you're gonna have fear when you are sick with the thing of the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. But like that's how you have faith. You can't have faith without mm-hmm. fear. Exactly. True. True. Yes. And it's insane too. I mean, honestly, I'm just gonna make a side note. This yeah. is the most human interaction I've had in yeah. two months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So> <laughs> being here, I'm like, even, even what do I do with my hands? I'm just sitting you here keep like them in your freaking rockets. Right. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm afraid to move. I don't want to scare anyone no, away. No, no, you're not. Um, you're, you're not. But I'm just like, oh, we get the lights all ready. Yeah. But uh, no. I'm the same way though. I'm the biggest germaphobe, which makes it ironic yeah, that yeah, I caught right? the virus yeah. because I was at work washing my hands every 30 minutes, using gloves, hand sanitizer after every transaction and I still caught the virus and I just laughed about it because I'm like, I'm the biggest germaphobe Mm -hmm. on the planet and I ended up with COVID and I'm over here freaking out like what in the world? How does that even make sense? You know, I feel like sometimes (laughs) you have to go through those things and face those fears in order for you to like know, hey, it's not as bad as you make it seem to be. Like it's good to feel clean and, and, you know, and I'm segueing into the fact that like, you know, you're somebody who likes to achieve and do do awesome things and you know do it to with perfection yeah. so yeah of course if you're a germaphobe you're gonna get the thing that the last thing that you want to get you know what i mean the last news that you want to hear you know feeling that way and wanting to be clean and then you have covid and it makes mm-hmm. you feel and i don't know if you can say that but like i'm sure people feel like oh my gosh i feel a little dirty i feel yeah. like what what like i feel virus well disease, i feel like anyone that struggled with with control before mm-hmm. this, yeah. it just shows you that exactly. you really have no control yeah. over yeah, a anything. Lot of areas, yeah. So I say that though, to get into now, cause you mentioned you're an actor, you're a working actor. You, you have, I mean, I've helped you back when you started with self tapes and stuff like that. And Oh being dear that God, let's reader not bring up self tapes. <laughs> I have to plug myself in there. Oh my gosh. I've helped this career. No, I'm just kidding. But no, you have. No, no, you but have. the the reading and all that and seeing a lot of stuff that goes into it, you have to want it. Yeah. So today we're talking about, you know, obviously this is walk after falling. Where have you feel like you've fallen short? Where have you feel like you, what area in your life you've been walking through? And, and with somebody who, like I said, somebody who is claims that their germaphobe gets the last news they want to hear. Going into your career, somebody who is an actor, 
what is the last news? What is the last thing you want to feel? The last news you want to hear? Well, I can tell you from experience, um, most people know, I think we had this discussion before mm-hmm. too. I was actually working in a show when the pandemic was getting mm. worse. Mm. So I came That's back right. from Cali in January when yeah. they started saying this virus was breaking out yeah. mm. and it wasn't as serious around them, but I just got back from Cali and then they started saying Los Angeles mm. is being affected greatly. Yeah. So people who travel to LA just be very careful. And I was like, exactly. I just got back from LA. <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to run from the virus at this point. I didn't know what it was, where yeah. it was going. I just knew that I had to go start rehearsals for a play. Yeah. So in the middle of that, I started rehearsals for a play called Just Like Us, mm-hmm. which I actually did a little over three years ago yeah. um, back at Chicago Dramatists downtown. Mm-hmm. And they revamped the play and said, hey, do you want to reprise your roles? And I was like, yes, oh absolutely. Yeah. Not even thinking about the pandemic because I didn't think it was going to be something that serious, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I was in the middle of rehearsals and everything was going great. I believe we were a week away from opening the yeah. show. We were so close to the finish line, you guys. So wow. close. Mm-hmm. And the worst news that I did not expect to hear was that our show was going to be shut down because of the pandemic. And I think in that moment, like you said, I am a perfectionist Mm -hmm. at heart. So I was so ready to get on that stage and really just perfect this performance, Mm -hmm. show people like, hey, this is what I do for a living. This is what I love. It was a huge opportunity. And then just to hear something that was so blindsiding that, hey, we're shutting down the show because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We're closing Mm -hmm. down the college that it was going to be performed at. And all of us were left with a month and a half worth of work Wow, that was not going to be shown to people. That's mm. crazy. And we all had to pack up our things, our costumes, go back home. Mm-hmm. And we just had to go back and take shelter because this virus really took over yeah. um, everything that we knew was normal. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so that was something that I just felt super defeated. Mm-hmm. Mm. I felt super defeated. And I'm like, wait, why did I go through this whole experience if it's not mm-hmm. going to happen? Yeah. That was a selfish you know, mindset in me. Um, but obviously there's bigger situations like as a pandemic, we all yeah. had to respect the fact that it was out of our control. Exactly. And sometimes yeah. as a human that can get us into a situation where things that we don't control mm-hmm. can get to us. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. makes us frustrated and wow. frazzled. Right. Yes. And yeah. you know, it's funny, your story about that makes me think like I was a swimmer in college, like all my life. And It's like you spend all year preparing for one meet at the end of the season. You're racing for a minute. And so it's like you put in all these hours Mm -hmm. for this one moment. And it's like that disappointment of when you don't, Mm -hmm. you, you don't reach your goals. And in this case, like you don't even get a chance to do that. So that must've been so disappointing Mm -hmm. too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Disappointing. I think is the perfect word for it because Oh man, it's just one of those things you work hard and you really want it, just like mm-hmm. you said, and then it doesn't happen. And I think for me, at least, um, anything that I've ever been able to achieve in my life, I've been super proud of mm-hmm. to show people, Hey, this is my heart that I'm sharing with you. And just to have that taken away, it does, does, it does something to you. You mm-hmm. get very discouraged and defeated, like I said, but, um, that's something that you kind of have to work through within yeah, rejection, exactly. you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and overall that's like, for everybody involved in that play that's because i know i think for you from what i saw was that you were really like in the prime of like having a lot of different jobs that you have just come off of you like you said you already done this play so you probably were feeling the best you've ever felt in the acting game yeah you know and and not even just like getting the jobs but just like you you were coming you're coming into your own and feeling like 
like I've been like, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. feeling of like, dude, like, th- I, like I'm doing this and it feels great. And it's n- the nerves are, I don't have to worry about the nerves. Yes. Like, of course those are always going to be there, but like, this is something now you're a vet, you know, you're yeah. a veteran in this. <laughs> and it's just like, you're doing this play, you're lead, you're going to be a lead. Like this is all great stuff. And then, yeah, like it's just completely gets wiped from under you. Yeah. It's crazy. I I'm glad that you reminded me of that though, because, um, you know, as everyone knows, as, as Julian just said, He's been on this journey with me since I first started. You can call me Okay, Gigi. I didn't know if we were going with formal <laughs> names on this podcast or if I can just call you Juju. I, I feel like okay. anybody who I've known my whole life or family who called me Ju- she she calls me Julian. Okay. But it doesn't sound weird coming from her, but with you calling me Julian, it sounds weird. It's because, because even I think back to when we were creating our own movies and we had to be so professional. I know. I had to call him Julian all the on, time. Julian R. Garcia. Yeah, he yeah exactly. He would be on set and when Dylan would get like you know in Dylan mode he'd be like Julian Julian and it's just like don't call me Julian because everyone was calling him Julian including the actors and the crew so I was like I'm just gonna have to call him Julian instead of Juju yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know if you're going with professional or not but okay great Juju glad, is professional glad the ice has been <laughs> broken G. I will say Juju from now on for this podcast you call me August J no, I'm done okay <laughs> But I mean, to be to be real, Juji has been on this journey with me since I first started. I remember back when yeah. I was a kid, it had it been, it, it was in middle school. Yeah. And we had this old Dell computer that was this big <laughs> old bulky screen. Yeah, that's right. In our lower level of our house. And every day when I would get home from middle school, I would go straight to the computer with yeah. Juji and we would research hours upon hours of things about acting in the industry. Wow. And at yeah. the time, I think you wanted to do it too. Yeah. So yeah, we, we would always make the home movies and yeah. stuff. And I love like I, and she hears me till this day. Like I always love the writing stuff, you know? So like, yeah, he would be the person on the, like, you'd be like, where's Dylan? Oh, he's on the computer. Like that's <laughs> For hours all that on he end. did. Yeah. Like right in this little nook corner next to the, to the bait, the door to the basement. Like I remember that vividly. Like that's where he would be. <laughs> and we would research for hours. And yeah. it, cause you know, that's where our passion started and I could not stop talking about acting. Yeah. Yeah. I just realized that it was something that I wanted to do. It was something that I loved and I yeah. really wanted because I didn't know it can be a career at that time. I just yeah. saw like, okay, kids on Disney. I was they just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I want to do that too. I what about it Disney. is so like captivating to you? About performing? Yeah. Um, I feel like, okay, so one of my main things has always been, I love being able to uh, fulfill someone else's dream as mm. a, a screenwriter. Mm. So not only am I yeah. fulfilling my dream as an actor, but I'm helping someone else's dream come alive. Yeah. Mm. But the thing, the main thing that is captivating to me as a performer is stepping into someone else's shoes wow. and mm. portraying a life that I might not otherwise live, yeah, right? Yeah. But also bringing a part of me into that role, which is special because I can breathe life into that role yeah. with my and in my own unique way mm. which sets me apart from everyone else because no one is like you mm-hmm. right exactly no one is ever going to be like you so you always offer something different to that's the table. so interesting it's like a merging of like the character and you yeah. into this like yeah. this like persona right exactly and it's 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 pretty wild it's it's an interesting ex- experience to go into this environment and let's say it's you know a drama role that requires me to be on 10 all mm-hmm. the time it can be exhausting emotionally and physically, yeah. mm-hmm. but I just find it so fun to step into a role like that and tell the story in a truthful way. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think it's really awesome to breathe life into something yeah. that was on paper and mm. now you can bring it to life. Yes. You know? So when you talk about like putting yourself into the character, like when, when someone rejects you for a role, is that what you feel like you're being rejected on? 
Oh my gosh, this is a really good question. <laughs> I can tell you so many times, I always, anytime I've ever gotten rejection, I have always thought it was because of me. Mm. Always thought it was because yeah. of me. I, if any actor told you that they have never gone through that thought process, mm -hmm. they're lying to you. Yeah. Wow. When you go into an audition room, first and foremost, you get called in out of thousands of submissions, mm -hmm. yeah. right? There are thousands of actors that get submitted by their agents. Mm -hmm. And so for you to get into that waiting room is a testament of them being interested in you. Yeah. They like your look, they see your resume and say, okay, we want this person to audition for the role. You go in, you read for wow. a casting director and maybe a casting assistant. And then if they like you enough, they'll, they'll give you a callback, which means that you go and meet the director or producer mm -hmm. and that's for the callback. So they'll yeah. put you on tape send it out to the writers in LA. And uh, I would get to that process of auditioning, callbacks, then getting on check avail, which means you're being considered for the role, but they just have to decide between you and one other actor. Yeah. I would get on that process and then get released from my avail every mm. single time. Mm. And I would start questioning, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that I'm doing wrong? Was it the fact that I wasn't a good enough actor? You know, was it that my performance wasn't strong enough? And then you start questioning, oh man, I could have done this differently. Mm. I could have done that. I should have said it this way. Mm. And you start yeah. nitpicking at the audition, mm -hmm. which I started recognizing like, whoa, I'm nitpicking on things about myself. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be a certain way that I think that they want me to be. Mm. But in reality, I'm just me. Yeah. I don't need to be somebody else. Right. Yeah. And that's why I don't like looking at the competition in the waiting room because mm. I start getting in my head like, okay, this guy is a tall Caucasian yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> as tall as he is. Mm -hmm. He's got a chiseled face. Yeah. I obviously don't. Right. <laughs> and I start thinking about those things or someone with lighter eyes. Like you start yeah. really getting in your head. And so there was a lot of times to answer your question where I thought it was because of my appearance mm. and my look. Mm. But what they say in the industry is if you get that far to being on check avail, it's not about um, your talent. Your talent is amazing. That's mm. what got you there. Yeah. But sometimes it's just about physicality. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are taller than the lead actor in the show already and they can't mm. have someone who's taller wow. than the lead actor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Or maybe you have too dark of eyes. Mm. That happens sometimes. It doesn't mean you're a terrible actor. It yeah. just means that you weren't right for the part physically at that wow. point. Mm. And so you can't chalk it up to your performance. You have to chalk mm. it up just on those small little things. I have yeah. dark hair. Maybe they wanted someone with brunette hair or yeah. dirty blonde hair. Yeah. You know, it just really depends. Yeah. But at least I got called in that room. I got to show them what I can do. Mm -hmm. And then you hope exactly. for the best the next time around. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. you're in an industry where it seems like you are almost putting yourself in rejections way. It's yeah, like you're yeah. willingly yep, exactly. going <laughs> into I, that. Yeah. I told you that on the phone too. Cause I was like, man, it's like you're, you're working to be rejected yep. mm -hmm. almost or to be judged. I'm sorry, not to be rejected. You're working for somebody to judge you. Yep. Mm -hmm. You work so hard to get to that moment for them to judge you. Exactly. And that can be disheartening. That can be very discouraging. You go into the room thinking that, okay, you know, you do have what it takes. Mm -hmm. And as long as you keep that mindset, it will take you far in this yeah. industry. Right. Um, because I don't always think about the rejection, um, that I used to go through where I used to cry about it. I don't cry about it anymore. Does it affect me sometimes? Yeah. I start yeah, realizing yeah. like, okay, what can I do? I need to get myself on a treadmill, go to the gym maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but obviously you want to look healthy, but yeah. that sides the point. Sometimes I look at that and say, okay, um, what can I do differently to grow? Am I mm. going to allow this rejection to put me in a place where I'm so discouraged to stop yeah. pursuing this career? Or am I going to allow it to push me forward mm -hmm. and advance me into that growing aspect so that I can make sure that when yeah. I go into the room next, I'm ready. Wow. Yeah. And what was like, was there a moment or a role where you felt like 
you were you were so defeated that you either had to make a shift in how you were dealing with your rejection or you were going to walk away? Oh yeah. Juji knows this one. <laughs> Juji knows this one. Um, I can't tell you the amount of times I wanted to quit in this industry. I can't even tell you yeah. the amount of times I thought about just dropping everything and not trying to be an actor anymore. Yeah. Um, cause the industry does that to you a mm-hmm. lot and mm-hmm. it is, you're putting yourself in that place to be rejected yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, but I feel like one of the main times in my life where I wanted to walk away uh, this was very recent. It was actually last year. Yeah. I waited 11 and a half years to get an interview with a talent agent in Chicago. I already had an agent and a manager, but mm-hmm. I wanted to get new representation. I wanted to advance my career mm-hmm. to the next level. I felt like it was time yeah. for me to do that because mm-hmm. where I was going, I knew I was headed in a direction where I needed that, you know, support behind me. Yeah. I needed that new representation that was going to push me forward with their connections and stuff. So 11 and a half years in the making, I finally get an interview with an agent I submitted a self tape and so they were willing to call me in based on that self tape, yeah. which put me in a position to say, Hey, whoa, I actually got better at self tapes. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like when I was 11 yeah, with yeah. Juju where I didn't know what I was doing and I was like a robot on camera. Well, you were doing it, yeah, but I know? was, but I was doing it and I had to learn. I mean, to think about what my self tapes look like back then to now yeah. is just crazy to me to know that how much growth has happened exactly. in, in all of those years. But long story short, I got an interview based off on based off of my self tape and I went in to meet with this agent in a conference room, which is mm-hmm. so intimidating. And I remember walking down the hall and I'm like, whoa, this is 11 and a half years oh, in the wow. making. Wow. This is happening right now. It was super surreal. And I was proud of myself because yeah. I'm like, whoa, I worked hard to get here. I cried. I sweated. Mm-hmm. I literally screamed and yelled. And I remember being so discouraged and sad that it would never happen. Yeah. And so the fact that I was there really put me in a position to say, whoa, okay, yeah. I definitely mm. I definitely see that I have what it takes now. Mm-hmm. I went in for the interview. It lasted almost an hour. It went so incredibly well. I walked out feeling like, okay, I got this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get signed by this agent and they're going to change my career. They're going to change <laughs> my life, which is, you know, it could have happened. Yeah. And I think two days later, I got the response that I was not going to get signed. Wow. And they didn't want to pursue representation with me. And wow. I remember being at work, Jeez, getting this email yeah. and my heart sunk because I mm-hmm. knew it wasn't good news and I hadn't even opened it yet. Yeah. And once I opened it, I remember just setting my phone down. I walked off of the teller line and I had to go in the back and take a breather Mm -hmm. because the rejection was so deep. Mm. Wow. And I remember feeling like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. Mm. Am I ever going to be good enough for these people to see what I see in myself? Mm. Are these people ever going to look at me and know what I carry inside of me? Right. And that brings me to a quote that I found online that I really loved because this happened right afterward where I saw this quote and I was like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. (laughs) Of course I, I was like, okay, God, thank you. You know, those little nuggets. Um, but the quote just basically says rejection doesn't mean you are not good enough. It means the other person failed to notice what you have to offer. Mm. And that was so good to me. And I literally sat there feeling like, man, out of all the rejection I got, these people just missed what yeah. I had. Yeah. And it's just about timing, of course. Mm-hmm. And in due time, you're going to be able to show yeah. the people what you always knew you had inside of you. And so I went to Juji. We had a production meeting that night and I went there and I was so mad. I went in there with the biggest attitude. I'm like, I don't want to be here right now. And they're like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, we got a production meeting. We can't talk about this stuff anymore. I was so mad. And oh upset. yeah, that was crazy. And I told them, I said, you guys, I need to say something. Um, this is probably going to be the, be the last film that I do. Oh, and I told God. them, I said, I am officially going to quit acting. 
which is what came out of my mouth, which I thought I would never say. Yeah, I know. And they all looked at me and was like, what? What do you mean you're going to quit acting? And I was like, I, I think it's my time. I think it's my time to stop pursuing this dream of wow. mine. I've been going at it for 11 years at that point, now 12 years. Um, and I just really felt like in that moment, it was enough for me to walk away and wow. just say, okay, all my hard work, I'm just going to leave it on the table. There's nothing else I can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I didn't quit because they convinced me not to. They sure did. And them being my cousins and, you know, our team for production, they really sat down and had a talk with me and said, you work so hard. And it was just super encouraging. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's so important to have people around you that are going to speak truth into your life. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like they saw in you that you were failing to see in yourself? They saw someone who was talented enough to do this, right? Mm. They saw someone who had the confidence because we had made what? That was our second film at that point. Yeah. So in those moments, you kind of get blinded by, you know, the rejection forcing you to see that you you don't have what Mm -hmm. it takes anymore. And so I think everything that I got blinded by and stopped seeing, they saw. Mm. Yeah. And, and they saw that, you know, Hey, you have a gifting for this. You've been Mm -hmm. going at it this long. Like, just don't give up. Like if God placed it inside of you, it's something that, you know, has to happen and it will come into fruition. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to take crap from somebody who's not going to keep going. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, don't talk to me on set that way and then try to quit the next day. Listen, You know what I'm saying? But no, but for real. But what I'm trying to say is that I don't like... This is a question, I, I, I mean, this is a question maybe for a little bit later, but I think it comes down to, like, who, who, like, who are you to us if you're not Dylan the cousin that acts? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You, like, who, and, and that's a question I want, uh, we can, you can answer a little bit later, but who are you if you're not acting? Not yeah. that you can't do plenty of other things, because you've done a lot of other stuff. Like, obviously, you work your regular job, and you do really well there, you know, just, um, just from the stuff of running like a casting office or I'm or your what the management office the talent management the talent that agent, you do yeah. talent agency so you have a lot of other skills that you can do but it's like it's so easy for people to discard yeah. like somebody who's saying even family or or friends like oh yeah like i, I want to be an actor i'm gonna act or i'm going mm-hmm. on this like it's so easy for them to be like oh yeah great like you, you're gonna do it but like when you spend time like you know us as a as a team when we were doing the movies or like me sitting there and like being the off-screen reader and then you telling me no you can't <laughs> read it like you're the character just read it regular because there's oh, a, no. there's there's an art to that too you there's know what i'm saying to everything yeah. yeah so that's a lot of work and to put it in I mean, when you like, like I, like you said, you did the videos and all yeah. that, but it's like when you do that that long, but you're doing it and you're actually putting in the work, like something has to shift yeah. and you can't give up on that because the clo- the further, like you think you're farther away and you're ready to go, but it might right be right around the corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think that's, that goes for a lot of different stories in people's mm-hmm. lives. But like, when I look at you, I'm like, I wouldn't know. Like, when I think of you, I think of, oh, Dylan, and he acts. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's who he is to me. That's yeah. not all that he is to me, but that's who I want him to be. Right. That's that's what I want you to do. And then I think that's how people view you. So for you to, like, actually say you're quitting, it's just like, no, because... <laughs> who's gonna who, who's gonna pay my bills when when oh my gosh i can't who, whose entourage am i gonna be a part oh of? my god like, i want you to succeed because i want because i have you've helped build the, him up too well yeah. well you know little by little anybody who's helped you like they put skin in the game for you and yeah. like 
I think that's what you need to be reminded of so that way you continue to have that motivation. And when you actually are ready to step away, if that day ever came, you can say, I've honestly done everything I can do. Are your glasses fogging up? You crying? <laughs> I'm just you know, I'm just shutting it to you a little bit. This but, is like a little heart to heart. But that's how it is. Like for me, anything like, you know, when you put skin in the game for anybody, like when I quit baseball, I, yeah. w- I felt the guilt of like, oh my gosh, my dad and all the things that he did or all the people that put all this time into me. You know what I mean? You feel that. But when you are ready to go, you're ready to go. Yeah. And you know, I can say it with a clear conscience. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. There you weren't doing it with a clear conscience. Well, no. I think it's yeah. important to like, it's not, it's not the guilt that like, I can't let these people down and like fear of disappointment, but it's like looking yeah. at it, like these people believe in me and mm-hmm. they believed in me to put that much into yeah. me. And so yeah. that's what maybe so can help you exactly. get back into it. So right. maybe what do you have to do to see something different about yourself in order to keep moving forward? Man, you guys are asking all the good questions. <laughs> like, well, we get that these are, these are deep <laughs> questions that I, I like have to go home and like right? marinate oh. on for yeah. like an hour. Um, Cause these aren't, you know, it's, but it's so sweet because these are questions that as humans, we don't ask ourselves no, every day no. because we and don't we need sh- to. It's hard to share these. Things. Exactly. And it's like, well, if you look at these people, I look at other actors who are so successful and I was like, man, how do they see themselves as these successful yeah. people? And they're confident. And then I look in the mirror and I don't see the same thing. And it's so crazy, but I think it does take that, mm-hmm. that initiative to be intentional about yeah. looking your, at yourself in the mirror and say, I am good enough, right? I am who God says I am. I am this Mm -hmm. confident person. And you have to really unlock that because I think that's something that we um, allow to be buried by all of the things that happen because life is a roller coaster Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of negatives that happen in this world. And I do believe that we start suppressing those good things about us Exactly. Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't take someone telling us these things, right? We should already know these things, but that's why it's so important to have people who hold you accountable around you so that you can have those wake up calls. You can have people who are, you know, speaking words of affirmation into your life to remind you of your worth. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now like, you know, at in my mid twenties, I started realizing, I think my switch was, okay, I'm 25. Mm -hmm. I'm not a kid anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I, I need to start walking as the man that God created me to be Mm -hmm. because he's already set that in front of me. Right. And so when I started realizing my worth wasn't found in the car that I drove, my worth wasn't Mm -hmm. found in what was in my bank account. Mm -hmm. My worth wasn't found in the school that I attended. My worth wasn't found in those I surrounded myself with or what I did in my life. My worth was found in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And because that was the main factor in my life, I started recognizing that my worth had had confidence my life had purpose yeah. right my life had destiny mm-hmm. and when i started really allowing him to be at the center of everything versus pursuing things on my own without consulting yeah. him first yeah. mm-hmm. i started recognizing that i didn't face as much rejection because mm-hmm. it was a part of his plan i mm-hmm. wasn't going through doors that i was barging open that mm-hmm. weren't meant for me wow. yeah. i started barging through the doors that he opened for me and said okay it's your time yeah. right which is the switch last year and yeah. it, it was crazy yeah. because although i wanted to quit just a couple of months later, mm-hmm. I had an audition for that major TV show. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I yeah. quit, I would have never had that yeah. audition happen. Mm-hmm. And it was a total God thing. And wow. it, here's another quote. I love quotes. So that's why I brought <laughs> a lot here. So this one says, every time I thought I was being rejected from something good, I was actually being redirected to mm. something better. Mm. And that was by Dr. Steve Mariboli. Wow. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on the name, but 
that yeah. quote is so real, right? Mm. Yeah. And although it could have been good being with that talent agent, right? I'm putting that in my uh my, <laughs> my book notes. In your book notes, mark <laughs> Re- it down. Rejection to yes. redirection. Exactly. I, every time I hear something good, I go in my little thing and I write down little notes as a chapter in my future <laughs> book. <laughs> but it's so good to carry these around because it like I said, although it could have been good to be with that talent agent and it's what I really, really wanted. I would have never been redirected to this TV show that Mm -hmm. wasn't supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. I almost didn't get this role because I missed the in-person audition in Chicago. Yeah. And that's a long story I won't get into on this podcast, but I missed the audition and I remember feeling so disappointed in myself that I missed it. Mm -hmm. And a month went by and I was like, man, I really wanted this show. It was a faith-based series. I'm like, I've been trying to break into the Mm faith-based market for years and it just never happened for me. And so basically a month later, I remember seeing them post on Facebook that they ended up um, still needing someone for the role I was supposed wow. to audition for. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and I was like, okay, if this yeah. ain't a God thing, I don't know yeah. what is, right? And so I was like, all right, Lord, let's do this. Like, if this is a sign from you that this role is for me, let's go. Like, I'm yeah. ready. I'm mm-hmm. not playing this time. Like, I'm ready to go. And I just felt immediately this role was for me. Yeah. And so I contacted production. I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I was supposed to be in the in-person audition. Wow. You guys didn't see me, um, but I would love to still audition because you're still looking for someone, right? Yeah. They got back to me immediately. The director got back to me. Wow. And he's like, hey, I remember you. Yeah. He's like, submit your stuff immediately. And I was like, okay. He's like, here are the sides, memorize mm-hmm. them, send in your audition tape. And so I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? Cause I'm going to, I'm going to Florida for <laughs> yeah. vacation literally the next day. Yeah. So I had no time to do the tape. Yeah. And I was like, okay, can you give me like two days? Like oh I know that's gosh. pushing it. So everything was working against me. I flew out to Florida for vacation. It took me three solid days to do this, to do this audition. Mm-hmm. Cause every take I did, I was so fearful that this opportunity was so big. I didn't want it to fall between my wow. fingers. Yeah. yeah, And I was like, I really want this. And I was with my brother who was doing my self tape yeah. with me. He's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you used to be way more confident than this. And I was like, I Dang, don't know, yeah. bro. I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want to lose this opportunity. Cause mm. if I lose this, I'm for sure going to quit. Cause it's too much rejection in yeah. one year for me already. Mm-hmm. And so I formed uh, four takes into one solid take wow. because I could not get a take that I wanted. <laughs> no, I so production probably might not realize or they might catch on that I meshed four takes into wow. one just to get a solid take in. Yeah. And the very next week I got back to work on a Monday and I just got an email from the director saying he wanted to offer me the role wow. in the show. Well, we do yeah. know if you ever quit, you can become an editor then. I can become an editor. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. And I remember you telling me that too, like when we were talking on the phone about it. And um, yeah, I think that you got, that's just what I said. You, you're so close. You know what I mean? And when you think you're the farthest away, like it's, it's, it's just it's one right step there. away. It's, it's just right, right there. Well, thank you. Yes. One step away. But what I want to say too, is that it all is take, it, it's redirecting yourself. Yeah. It is that redirecting yourself, redirecting mm-hmm. that. I know that I want to be an actor, right? You, like yeah. you, you want to be an actor, but it's like, are you doing it for your, what reasons? Right. Like for yourself yeah. or for Hey, can I play a character that is going to change lives through uh, uh, the words that God gave somebody to yeah, write? You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. So thinking about it in those ways, man, I feel like it, it it can get so intricate when you think about everything that yeah. every situation people can go to, but it can be just that. Yeah. Like redirecting your focus. Yeah. Fix your focus, Stephen Furtick says. Mm-hmm. Like fix your focus can in you a make different that a way. Hashtag, hashtag <laughs> yeah. fix your yeah. focus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did a whole series, or not a whole series, but he did a sermon on it yes. of just fixing your focus. Like what can I do to shift? 
why I'm doing something. You mm. know what exactly. I mean? And am I doing this because I want to like for the podcast? Am I doing this because I want to be a podcaster and blah, 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 blah? No, that was something that I had on my heart for two years that I think the reasons when I first started it, podcasting was like, oh yeah, I want to be a podcaster. I want to be an influencer. And I'm like, no, like I have nothing to prove to anybody. You know what I mean? Like not like, oh, I have nothing to prove, but I just, I want to be just me and I want to do this. Mm -hmm. And people can't share these things unless there's a way or a space or a platform for them to do it, you know? And I'm like, okay, that's where God has me. Help being like a liaison in a sort. I don't have to be the person that's giving the advice or whatever. Like, let me just be the person that presses record and helps drive that conversation. So that's where focus needs to shift. And I think you, you play a perfect example of that. I think it's so important too. Yeah. Shifting your focus. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we all need to do. I mean, it's so easy for us to look in the mirror and have so like a list, a list of negative things about Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do we call those? The damaging thoughts. The damaging damaging thoughts. There we go. We didn't even plan that we get to this point (laughs) in the podcast. It just suits. what, What are those for you? The damaging thoughts. What do you wake up every day? You look in the mirror. What's the negative things you say to yourself? Um, Because we all do it. Yeah, I have. Okay, so some of the things that I think about is, A, I will never be good enough Mm. to be like all Mm. these other actors. Um, B, I will never look like any of these actors, right? Mm. And I think that stems from, Mm. you know, comparison, especially like culturally. I I go in auditions where I'm Latino, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But I can get called in for a Caucasian role as an actor. So I'm in a room with other Caucasians and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm definitely (laughs) not going to get this role, right? Mm. So sometimes I self-compare myself to other people, right? I don't look like them. Um, Another thing is I look at myself in the mirror and look at... Just this person who is lazy, if it, if that's how I feel in the morning, and it's wow. like this sluggish, you know, type of feel, and um, and I, I allow that to dictate where I'm going, mm. right? Because yeah. although I want something, laziness might prevent me from doing it. I think there's plenty of auditions where I had where I didn't go to those auditions because yeah. I was just like, all right, I just want to stay home. Like wow. I don't want to go. I just mm. I'm not up to it tonight. Yeah. You know. And um, other things that I look at is, okay, I look at other, again, this is comparison. I look at other people in ministry and mm-hmm. say, wow, I'm not like them. Mm. Mm. Like, I, I don't have the same, like, fire as them, yeah. right? But I started to recognize that I have my own fire in my own yeah. unique way. Yeah, right? exactly. So I, I can go on about those, but those are some damaging thoughts in my head is like, mm-hmm. okay, God, like, if you call this person, why aren't you calling me in that way? And yeah. it's like recognizing God calls us for different things, exactly. right? Yeah. And you talked yeah. about your worth, like shifting into finding your worth in Jesus. So yeah. what are, what is the true North that, that combats those when it comes to your worth? Um, a lot, a lot of things that can do is the words of other people. Mm. I think if I'm listening to all of the negative opinions of those around me, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I can go in story after story with those, but if you start really believing in the words that people are saying about you and what you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing, um, that can be a huge dictator of your worth in Jesus, you know? And sometimes like, you know, I I think I had a conversation with somebody that um, told me one day, well, maybe, maybe your time as a performer is ending. Maybe, maybe God is calling you for something else, or maybe he didn't call you to be that. Mm -hmm. And at one point I started believing in their words Mm. and my worth started really becoming, you know, um, more and more complacent. Like it wasn't moving forward and it just got so confusing. But I think if we really look at, you know, what God says about us, that's the only thing that should matter, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
Does it answer your question? I'm like trying to, I'm like, uh. I'm just looking for the notes because I know when we, we do these prelim calls and we just talk and I've talked about this on another episode, kind of, of the way we go about it. But I just know that, um, I wrote down some good things that you shared. And one of the terms that you used was this sweatless victory. Yes. So talk to us a little bit about what that term, what that phrase means for you. Sweatless victory. Cause I feel like that's a true North. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, when I said that I was thinking about the times where I was trying to force things to happen in my life that weren't happening. Mm. Right. I was going through these doors that God didn't open for my life and things just seemed so hard and challenging. It was like I was facing so many obstacles that mm. shouldn't have been there. And I'm like, it shouldn't be this hard. Like, what mm-hmm. is going on? Um, but I feel like when you start walking in God's will, and I think the main factor with that with me was I had to learn to step aside and get out of God's way mm. for him to start doing what he needs to do in my life. Mm. And the minute that I did that and said, God, okay, here's my career. Mm. Here's my life. I'm not going to obsess about it. I'm not going to force any doors open. I'm just going to petition my prayers to you. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to obsess about any of this because I think that's what was frustrating to me. I started experiencing that sweatless victory when I did that. Right. Doors started opening Mm -hmm. last year that I had waited 11 (laughs) years for. And I was like, where are these doors coming from? I think in one (laughs) week I had four auditions for um, major TV shows that were shooting in Chicago that were on the NBC network. We're talking Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med, mm-hmm. like um, what other show was it? Empire. Which, which Chicago Med people or anybody who knows them who's listening, he can play a, a COVID patient when you start filming about <laughs> those episodes. You know, okay, I, I know he what COVID is, is now. He, so he survived it, so I'm sure you should cast him for that. Oh my gosh, that. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious, dude. I I would do it too. I would do it too. But you know, one week I had four auditions in one week. And I was like, where did these auditions come yeah. from? Right. Cause the year before I had like one audition every eight, nine months, wow. you know? And so God just started really opening up opportunities. And I just felt in my spirit, like God was just saying, just trust in me. Yeah. Like, don't let go of that trust. And I was like, okay, God, I'm just going to continue trusting you. I'm going to stand on your word. Yeah. I'm going to stand on your promises. And then sweatless victory started hitting. Mm-hmm. These are and to that, to for that, yeah. uh, for me is basically when something happens that you didn't even hope for, or mm. you didn't even think about or try and it just comes and it yeah. literally is just sweatless victory. That's good, man. Like That's the good. yes just is immediate. Like mm. this wow. show, I submitted one self tape and they casted me off my self tape. I didn't have oh, to go wow. through a callback. Mm. I didn't have to meet with a director. I didn't have to have a phone interview, a video interview, nothing. Wow. I did one audition tape and they offered me the lead role in the show. Yeah. Mm. You know, that's such an important thing that you just said about like when you actually shift shift your focus mm-hmm. to putting God first, then he makes, he wants to give you the desires of your heart, but yeah. he wants your, de- his, your desire to be him yes. first and foremost. Yeah. And so when, when you do that, then he, he wants to bless you. And that was exactly me too. Last year, you know, going to El Salvador, yeah. it was like, it would have been so much easier if I didn't go with mm-hmm. all these things that were happening before. And I almost didn't. And mm-hmm. I almost didn't. And I said, you know what? Exactly that. I am just going to trust that what you have for me is so much better than what I yes. want. Yeah. And I did. And now it's like, I, my now life I'm is completely, life. Yes. <laughs> my life is complete. Cause <laughs> I'm in your life. Gosh. All right. All right. Oh, <laughs> hashtag goals. <laughs> That's a line from one of our movies. People, oh, people who hear this, they'll like okay. know exactly what we're talking yeah. about. Oh, but it's man. so crazy that you say that because I feel like even in the midst of like searching for all these answers, again, 
I'm, I'm all for quotes. So I'm going to quote this, <laughs> this passage in a book, right? It's by Gary John Bishop. Um, I won't say the name because it's kind of explicit, but <laughs> it's a self-help book and it's really motivational. I see. But it basically says... Unfudge yourself. Okay, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's that's a holy version right there. Um, but the book basically says it's not that you have to find the answer. You are the answer, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. you know what you have inside of you. Mm-hmm. So yes. just walk in that. And another thing that he says on the next page is what stuck with me. He said, your life is waiting. Your life is waiting on you to finally show up. Mm-hmm. How crazy yeah. is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our life is literally waiting for us to show up and yeah. do what God has called us to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Point and, blank period. Yeah. And one thing you said on the phone call too, you said this quote here was that you serve a God who already positioned favor. Come on. <laughs> Come on. So I want to clap. This is so loud in here. Speak on it. Do Come the, on. Do the, These do are the your claps. words. Okay. Read it again. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, we're going to have a little church service. I know, right? But these are your words, so tell me about that. Okay, read it again, because I don't... So, (laughs) you you said, we serve a God who already positioned favor. Come on. I literally spent my entire life not recognizing that God already positioned that in my life. Wow. How crazy is it that we can sit down Mm. every day... And not recognize that God already positioned favor before us. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that if we go inside the will of God, Mm -hmm. walk in that, and we go and pursue whatever he said on our heart, right? Because our life is waiting for us to show up, right? Mm -hmm. God already positioned favor in our life for that to just happen. Mm -hmm. It's already in place, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy. Like, you can go somewhere... Um, I think we did, um, and this is like a small little victory of favor. We went to a conference in Tennessee once, my brothers and I, and uh, we were in front of the line, but there was thousands of people that were showing up for there. And we're like, we want to sit in the front. You know, Todd White was preaching. We're like, we want to hear Todd White for the first time. We want to sit in the front. And just out of favor, just because we were with someone uh, who was actively in ministry and was well known on social media, who was one of our buddies, they let us in before everyone else. Mm. And they just put us, they put us right in the front mm. of the entire auditorium and said, oh, these are your seats. Oh and we'll gosh. do this for the three nights. Wow. So just come in the front and we'll let you in. And I was like, oh my God, like God already positioned favor for us. Like this oh is crazy. Gosh. Or even in opportunities with this show, like I just feel like God already positioned favor. It was just about the timing, mm-hmm. right? Mm. It was about being in his will. And when I wasn't in his will, I didn't recognize the favor that he yeah. had before me. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow. That's so good, man. And then. Well, and I think it's when you're not in his will, you're not in his, not, not in his favor, Mm -hmm. but you're not, that's not what you're seeking. Right. Your will is going against his. And so of course you wouldn't recognize his favor because that's not what you're after. Exactly. But when you position yourself to be in line with his will, that's Mm -hmm. the key word. Then you start seeing his favor. Step Mm -hmm. into position. That is the perfect word for that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you said, you said two more things that I thought were really good was the creator that created you created you specifically. Yes. Mm. Tell us more, man. Well, (laughs) this is what I was talking about earlier was that no one else is going to be like you. Yeah. Right. God created you specifically in his image. Mm. Right. What Juji does or what Juji is supposed to do isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Right. We're all called corporately to preach the gospel. That's what it says in the Bible. But God created us specifically mm-hmm. to do things, right? My testimony is not your testimony, exactly. right? I wow. have a story. And when I be vocal about that story, I can reach people through yeah. that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like what I'm doing, like what I, I hate to bring up acting in this no, entire yeah. podcast, but it just ties into story. it because it's my life, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I look at that and I'm like, okay, God didn't call like my brother Matt to be an actor, right? Mm. So naturally, I'm in this position to reach people that Matthew can't reach right now. Matthew has his own ministry, right? Mm -hmm. Rise Up Ministry. And I look at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, so Matt's reaching people that I may not be able to reach. And I'm reaching people that he might not be able to Mm, reach. That's so good. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So God created all of us uniquely in his image for a very specific purpose. And all we have to do, I I always tell people, God is waiting for open and available jars Mm. to fill, Mm. right? And all we have to do is surrender. And if we're not surrendering, we can't do that, right? There's going to be a giant wall and we're telling God, okay, you know what? I have this wall in front of you. I'm not going to do it. But if we position ourselves and we let that wall down and we actually surrender, Mm. we can go ahead and do what God needs us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so I think about that and I'm like, man, uh, all the things that I've been through as a kid, all the things that I've ever gone through, I think about that. I'm like, whoa, if I'm actually vocal about those things, someone who could have gone through the same exact thing is waiting on me to be vocal about that to wow. know mm. that they can actually overcome. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Same thing if you're in church. Yeah. If I was never vocal about my testimony, people who are dealing yeah. with the same thing can sit there and walk out the doors the same way they came in. Yeah. Because they don't have that hope. Right. Yes. And I know what that feels like, mm-hmm. but if I'm actually in position and I walk confidently and boldly in who God called me to be and know that he has that very specific plan and purpose for my life, exactly, I can actually do the works that he's called me to do. Wow. And that also requires vulnerability. Yes. Mm-hmm. So where, how does that come up for you? Like, is that something that you have always found easy or is that something now that you're leaning into? Okay, we're going to have to like talk to my therapist about this because <laughs> I'm sure she would have a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell us about that journey. So even, so a lot of people actually, you know, coming from a Latino household mm-hmm. or even as a, you know, a Christian, I mean, yeah. a lot of us yeah. don't really truly believe in going to therapy because we know like God's going to handle it, which is true, right? Mm-hmm. But I do believe that everyone should see a therapist at least sometime in their life because yeah. it just mm-hmm. helps to talk about things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it helps to lay everything yeah. out and say it out loud. And I remember going to my therapist for the first time and I was so nervous. Mm. I'm like, I'm going to talk to a complete stranger and tell them like things that I feel are very vulnerable and personal. Yeah. And I, I'm not trying to sit here and cry in front of a stranger because yeah, it's just yeah. so weird yeah. to even think about. And I went in the first time and I was so apprehensive about it, but I found myself finding this like peace mm-hmm. of like opening up about things. Right. Wow. And then the second time I went, I started recognizing that the vulnerability started really coming in. And I started really feeling like, whoa, we're unlocking yeah. things in my life that yeah. I had locked away for such a long time yeah, and real. I didn't want anyone to see. Yeah. And that was scary. I think especially like as a male, like we don't really show a lot of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important to show that because it creates an openness around people yeah, and it, it creates an openness within you. Um, and so I remember the second time I started getting a little bit emotional and I was like, Oh God, she's really asking these questions and, and they're really affecting me and I hate it. Right. And the natural response as a human was I wanted to cover and mask all that up Mm -hmm. for her not to see that. I didn't want people to see my pain. I didn't want people to see me cry. Right. Um, and so the third time I went, I just remember full out like bawling. (laughs) I was like, like, who have I become? I'm like, just give me the tissue box. I don't even need the two. I need the whole box. And, and so I I think, uh, to answer your question, I probably forgot what you asked by now, but it's so important of being vulnerable because I, again, it creates that openness and allows you to have a heart, not just of humility, humility, but a heart of, um, uh, cause you know how they always talk about having heart of stone, like is, is, is 
a wall, right? Yeah. It makes you cold. And I remember having that for so long. Yeah. And I started asking God to give me a heart of flesh wow. so that I don't have that stony heart. Wow. I needed a heart of flesh to be vulnerable. Yeah. I needed a heart of flesh to let people yeah. in and not have a wall. Yeah. And I think that was a main factor of me not being able to fully accept love from other people because you feel like you don't deserve that mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the part of the the reason why I say that is because you may not understand what that love is mm-hmm. until you fully accept God's love first, yeah. mm, right? Wow. And once you accept his love and experience his love for you, that's unconditional, then you can understand the love that other people are trying to give you. Exactly. Wow. You know, I know that was like off topic a yeah, little bit, but yeah. no, no, that's perfect, man. And really what I want you to share a little bit on too, because, you know, we, we come from the same family we you know, we're both Latino and we both know what the stigmas are around mental health and things like that. I just started two weeks ago or yeah, three weeks ago now. Um, and it's funny because you think about it and you go in and I was so nervous Wait, yeah. are we talking therapy? Therapy, is yeah, it, I started. I didn't know ago. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, why am I just finding out right now? <laughs> I don't tell no one. No, I'm just. <laughs> it's okay. Well, now I you're tell, telling everyone. I, know. Hey, I didn't tell anyone at first either. So. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I started three weeks ago. You know, and I, because I was like, how am I promoting this and yeah. encouraging people? And I don't know what it is because, yeah, I think it was a lot of the culture part, but a lot of just like, am I able to be fixed? And I know that's not what they do, but am I able to like get better from this or am I going to find something or am I going to find something I don't want to find? Like, you know, Mm. things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, growing up, it's always about like, you don't talk to anybody about your, your business and all that. And Mm -hmm. I told Catherine today, I was like, it's still new for me to tell somebody completely new to my life. Yeah about other people in my life or how I feel about other things and all that. And it still feels weird. I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. There's a lot of things I'm getting used to. So, um, but I was like so nervous going into it. Cause I was like, do I need to prepare something? Do I need to write <laughs> notes? Do I, what do I do? I don't think I have anything to talk and I can talk, yeah. you know? And then when I finally got there, I think it was just like, you know, you feel like this person really wants to just hear me and know me. And then I just couldn't, stop talking (laughs) but the thing that i'm struggling with and i don't know if it's so much a it's not a bad struggle but i'm just like you know when you talk enough you want somebody to kind of like you're spilling your heart yeah you want somebody to like give you direction and then i'm like so then i get to it and then and then i stop talking and then my therapist will be like yeah 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 and i'll be like (laughs) tell me something and then and then i'll be like well, you know, this other thing was going, and then he'll be like, man, so that, he's falling right into the trap. Of I it. know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what am I paying you for? Yeah. I don't know, but no, but it's oh, been, no. it's been great. But I want you to talk a little bit more about the culture versus that, because I think it's an important thing to have, because if we're going to promote therapy, like it's important to know all the stigmas yeah. that like people really deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, what was that for you? Like, I know you didn't tell anybody. I, it was even hard for me. Like, I think I slipped it casually just recently in a conversation to my, to my parents where I was like, yeah, I did therapy and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you want to have as much <laughs> people around at you. Like, yeah. You want to have, you want to have as much people around you to kind of cushion what their yeah. reaction is going to be. You know, we know all the tricks growing yeah. up in a Spanish household, but, um, but like, yeah, tell me a little bit about your experience with the, just the stigma around it. You know what I mean? Sure. Like the fear of it as a male, but also as a Latino male. Yeah. I feel like um, within our culture, and this could be within any culture, to be honest with you, um, 
We are kind of taught growing up, we're, we're very strong-willed people. I feel like yeah. uh, us, especially as Latinos, um, I can't speak for any other culture just because I'm Latino, like mm-hmm. it's my experience, but I'm sure, like I said, this isn't yeah. just within our culture. And I feel like we were taught to have a very strong backbone growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. We were taught that, okay, something happens that isn't probably the greatest thing in our life, yeah. um, either when we were kids or, you know, teenagers or an adult. And we're taught to kind of just like move on, exactly, like just take right, it and yeah. move on and like not really d- discuss Pray things out. And I'm not saying like we didn't have times where we, we couldn't discuss things. I mean, of course we've always had that time, but I just feel like we begin to suppress mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Suppress a sure. lot. And those are the silent battles <laughs> that form into rooted things. Right. And it can mm. become like, for me, it was rooted like depression mm. and chronic anxiety for yeah. three plus years. Wow. And just like stress levels that were causing me to physically become ill. Right. And I started realizing that when I couldn't carry that weight anymore. Wow. And I just stood it like I can be in a room like this, right. Mm -hmm. At a family party or a gathering or wherever it may be. And I can feel like I'm looking from the outside in and be so far from being present because I have this entire weight of just garbage that I'm looking up at a tower that I let sit for so many years. Jeez. And it's just sitting on my shoulders and it got to the point where it was so heavy that I needed to discuss things. I needed to start unpackaging things because we just start as, as humans, we just start quickly packaging things and brushing it underneath Mm -hmm. the carpet and not letting it marinate. Like sometimes we have to recognize what we're feeling because Mm -hmm. what we're feeling is okay. It's normal, but we have to feel that so that we can get out of it. Right. And sometimes even I can tie that into going to God is is so important as well. And I remember in those moments, I used to not want to go to God because I was so ashamed. Wow. Right. And that's what the enemy makes you feel mm-hmm. yeah. ashamed. Like guilty. you can't even go to the one person who hasn't even left you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And wow. you, because all those things weigh on you, you're ashamed, you're guilty. You feel like you're, you're not worthy to go to him because of mm-hmm. what you did or what you've been going through. And he already knows these things. So he's right. just, and I love this that my brother said, again, I don't want to go too much off topic, but I feel like yeah, it's so important no. to talk about these things. My brother said this one time when he was preaching and it stuck with me to this day. It's mm-hmm. so powerful yeah. that God will take the 99 steps mm. and leave that last one for you. Yeah. Uh. I just got chills. Yeah. He will leave that yeah. last step for you to take. He will do all of the work, mm-hmm. but we have to just decide to take that one step towards wow. him. And sometimes like for me, at least it took me years to wow. take that one step. Mm-hmm. And when I started going to him and cause we don't want to face brokenness mm-hmm. again, it comes with that vulnerability aspect. I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to yeah. go through the brokenness because I knew how much pain yeah. was already there. Yeah. And I didn't want to go through that even when God was saying, just give it to me. I was like, no God, I can't go through that. I am not emotionally strong enough to go through that. And as an adult at 25, I just decided that I was fed up and I was so sick and tired of being fed up. And I said, things need to change because if I go into 25 carrying all of this weight, I will never get free of it. And so I made the decision to secretly go see a therapist, go unpackage those things. And it's something that I will never regret in my entire life because the minute that I did, I started feeling lighter. I started feeling free. I started feeling open. Like I was, those walls that I built up for so many years were coming down Mm -hmm. and it started giving me a heart of flesh instead of a heart Mm. of stone Mm. because I started being able and capable of accepting that love from other people and giving it in return. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. And knowing that I am worthy to experience this, this type of love yeah. because I have a God who loves me mm. and I experienced his love. So I understand what that mm. love is. Mm. 
And so it's, it's, it's just a matter of just answer your question, yeah. Gigi. It's just a matter of really, um, allowing yourself to no longer carry that weight mm. anymore yeah. Yeah. and to have those difficult conversations. Yeah. And I went through the same thing of asking yeah. my therapist, like, yeah, but I don't know how to approach the situation. I don't even know where to start. If I were to bring this stuff up, you know, yeah. to people and have these tough conversations, how would I even start that? And she wouldn't always answer you know, mm -hmm. what I wanted to hear, yeah. she would kind of give me really good insight, right. Mm -hmm. And really speak truth into my life, but also not give me the direction of like, Oh, this is how you're supposed to do it. And I feel like those conversations you're never going to be fully ready for, like nothing can prepare you to yeah. have those conversations, but they need to be happened. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Sooner rather than later, mm -hmm. um, especially. So yeah. that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then as we always come to uh, the close, you know, I'll, I'll let Catherine do the clothes. <laughs> I want you to get, get, get your words in today. I'm paying you by the hour and I'm just messing. Wait, up. you're getting paid. <laughs> I wish I would. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, so yeah, we usually just end with saying if anyone out there relates to any part of what you said, what words of encouragement or affirmation would you want to share with them? Absolutely. So I feel like um, something that I would share is just step beyond the fear. Mm. Um, know that you are not alone in this. There mm -hmm. are people around us that are going through the same thing. So just know that, you know, with people that you surround yeah. yourself with um, are people who, you know, can you can trust. Right. Mm -hmm. It's about mm -hmm. having that feeling yes. safe enough. Sure. I think it's a matter of feeling safe. Um, but also th the Bible says to admit your faults to your brother, right? Mm -hmm. Um, something along, I'm probably not quoting it correctly, but also like knowing that you yeah. can go to someone and talk, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you're struggling, yeah. don't suffer alone, no, right? You don't no. have to do it anymore. Right. Um, but one encouraging thing I would say is just continue keeping God first yeah. in your life and making sure that you step out of his way so he can mm -hmm. actually move in your life. Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, because when you do that, honestly, it is the greatest thing you can do in your life, yeah. right? is to have a best friend that loves you at all times and will never fail. And as long as you keep him at the center, you know, yeah, things will be all right. Okay. right? <laughs> <laughs>